welcome to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Today, Apostle continues in his Sunday service series, The Word of His Grace. And in this episode, he preaches a sermon entitled, Grace at Work in Us. He teaches what grace has done, not only for us, but also what grace has done in us, in our lives, and how we can experience it effectively. Grab your Bibles, your pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. Father, we thank you and we're grateful for this wonderful moment. Thank you. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad to reach you in your homes this wonderful, wonderful Sunday. We are continuing to preach our message. We are continuing to preach our message. And we'll continue to preach it. One thing I'd advise every person is, you know how the Bible says, be ready in and out of season. And one of the greatest advices we've been given is preach the word. And then we're told be ready in and out of season. That's what Paul was telling Timothy. It's in such moments where you really know what you believe. If you can still stick to what you're preaching, if you can still stick to your message, no matter what's going on. So I would advise you, ladies and gentlemen, stick to your message. Praise God. And today, we are continuing in the grace series, except we are starting off from a position that's a little different from... We're starting off from a position that's a little different from the ones we've been taking. Now, we have described grace as unmerited favor. We have described grace as a divine exchange. And you observe that mainly we have focused on what the grace of God has done. We have focused on what the grace of God has done for us. But today we're going to focus on what the grace of God has done in us. I'll say that again. We have focused on what the grace of God has done for us, but we're going to take some time to focus on what the grace of God has done in us. Remember that um, every topic in the scriptures that has to do with the new creation can be linked to God's grace. And normally, many of us accustom God's grace to um, things that God has done for us. And of course, he has done certain things for us. But I would like you to know that the biggest, um, the biggest thing after that, what you must focus on is what he's done in you. Because that's really when you can start living the Christian life. It's when you know what he has done in you. And that's why you notice that those who know what God's grace has done for them, 
but don't know what God's grace has done in them, and I've never allowed grace to work in them, you observe that there are a lot of inconsistencies with their spiritual life, and they favor certain scriptures rather than others. I was reading a few articles. There have been quite a number of people in Zambia and generally around the world who've been abusing social media and using it to lie, using it to do all sorts of things. And when they get caught, you don't really see apologies. What you see is, uh, I'm sorry I did this, I'm not perfect, but God, God's grace. And I'm thinking, do these people know the definition of God's grace? That's the thing. If all you know is what he has done for you, but you have no idea what he has done in you, and you've not allowed God's grace to work in you, then you'll be that believer who's always apologizing. And really, that's not the life God has called believers for. So that's the journey we're going to work on. So today's sermon is entitled, Grace at Work in Us. Grace at Work in Us. And I'd like us to start off by reading a scripture that we all know and love. Let's go to Ephesians chapter number 3. Ephesians chapter number 3. And we're going to read verse 20. Ephesians 3, and we're going to read verse 20. The Bible says, Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. According to the power that works in us. And we're being told something about this power. Praise God. So it says, according to the power that works in us. Give me verse 21. It says, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So we're being told that there's actually power that is at work in us. And we'll, we'll look at uh, several scriptures that we'll go into detail of this soon. But let me just show you another verse that shows you that there's power at work in us. First uh, Corinthians chapter number, can you give me chapter number um, 15. And I would want you to give me verse 10. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. I want you to see this. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. But his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I but the grace of God, which was with me. Is somebody saying that? We're being shown how the grace of God can work. I want to show you one more. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, and I want us to see verse 12. We are just starting, by the way. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, someone would think, how do you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? Look at the next verse. For it is God who works in you, both 
to will and to do for his good pleasure. What's that working? What's that power? What's that uh, ability? It's God's grace. So for today, I want us now to adopt a further definition of grace. Because on one hand, grace is unmerited favor. But it doesn't end there. The word grace actually means divine endowment. The word grace is talking about divine endowment, divine ability. That's why if you've seen the scripture that talks about the gifts of the spirit, the, 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 the root word for the word gifts is actually the word grace. Because the gifts we're talking about charismata and grace we're talking about charis. So you'll notice that the gifts are actually a functioning of grace. So that shows you that there is a place where you have to look at grace, not just as God's unmerited favor. You have to go beyond that and look at it also as God's divine endowment, as God's divine ability. Grace is the power that works in you. Grace is the power that works in you. It's God's ability that works in you. It's also God's ability that works for you. Praise God. And we're really going to start this from scratch. And let's, 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 let's look at who we were first and where we are at now. And perhaps from there we can have um, a good idea of what to do. We can go to Matthew, Matthew chapter number 7. Matthew 7. And verse 17, if we're really going to understand how grace works, we're going to have to start by looking at, um, we're going to have to start by looking at where we came from with this topic called grace. So now, a human being who was born out of their mother and father, biblically they are born of the flesh. And then the flesh will produce its own outworkings. And usually these outworkings are contrary to the things that God desires a person to do. So you find here's a person, they know what God's commands are, they know how God wants, wants them to live, but as they grow, you notice that progressively, they start walking after the flesh and not the spirit. And so what we see from most people is merely the fruit, and that fruit shows you what kind of tree is there. Let's look at it. In Matthew 7, verse 17, Jesus said, Even so, Every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. So why were we bearing bad fruit? Because we were bad trees. Why were we bearing bad fruit? It's because we were bad trees. It's as simple as that. And that's why it's very easy to tell who is saved by how they live. It's, it's, it's one of the easiest ways to tell us because Jesus said you shall know them by their fruit. If a person has been saved we must at least progressively see an improvement in their way of life. If there is no improvement, then either they're they they really not saved, maybe they're just religious, or they're frustrating God's grace in a way. The Bible is very clear. We are told, he who sins is of the devil. It's quite clear. So, 
a good tree bears good fruit, a bad tree bears bad fruit. So if we keep finding problem with the fruit, the first thing we must do is check the tree. Because even if you cut off the bad fruit, as long as the tree remains the tree, it will reproduce. So what did Jesus decide to deal with? Let's look at the next verse. A, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. So meaning no matter how much a person tries, as long as they're a bad tree, something will be wrong with the fruit. So what does he decide to do? We all know that when it comes to the tree, that's referring to the inner man. That's referring to the inner man. So what does he do? He gives us grace. And let's look at what happened with grace. John chapter number 1 verse 16. So here we are. We used to produce bad fruit, but then we received grace. And I want us to understand something about grace. It says, John 1 verse 16, and of his fullness we have all received grace for grace. What have we received? Grace. Now, have you noticed the word there is the word received? Meaning this is something being given to you. Let me explain that. What I'm trying to say is this. If we look only at grace, at what has been done for us, then we'll focus on the fact that we've been forgiven. We'll focus on the fact that God has, Jesus took our punishment. We'll focus on the fact that Jesus was whipped for our sake. We'll focus on the fact that he was wounded for our transgressions. That's what grace has done for us. But grace didn't just work for us. Something was given to us. It says of his fullness we have received grace upon grace. There is something that was actually given to us. I hope you're getting me. It's one thing to pay someone's school fees. It's another thing to give them an education. The, the school fees were paid so that the education can be given. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's one thing to pay someone's medical insurance. It's another thing to actually get them treated. I, I want you to get that. The reason why he did all those things for us is so that he can clear the way to do something in us. Oh. We, we need to get that. We absolutely have to get that. He didn't just pay our debt. I want you to imagine a story. Here's a person who's in serious debt. And here comes this rich man. And the man decides to pay that person's debt. But then he doesn't end there. Afterwards, he empowers that person with capital. And then afterwards, teaches him how to use that capital so that he can also become a rich man. So Jesus didn't end on just paying our debt. There is something he gave us. So if all you focus on is what grace has done for you, you'll be, oh, I'm forgiven. That's why people now will, will end on, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Now, that, that means you don't understand grace because you don't know what grace does to the sinner and what it makes out of the sinner. It doesn't leave the sinner forgiven. That's not all. No, 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 no. Otherwise, Jesus would have just died. Oh, my friend, but he resurrected. And the Bible tells us in Romans 6 verse 4 that he resurrected so that we can have the newness of life. There is something he came to give us. 
And so when you're talking about grace, we're also talking about something we have received from God. God's divine endowment, God's divine ability. And we talked about how we were the bad tree that was producing bad fruit. But then of his fullness have we received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The blood of bulls and lambs would atone for men's sin, but it never changed them. It simply atoned for their sin. Jesus went beyond that. And we received of his fullness. I hope you're seeing that it's, it's a receiving, it's a transaction. There's something we have actually gotten. There's something we have obtained. It's a transaction. There's something that we have received. Praise God. I want you to understand this. For a believer, the grace of God has worked on your status with God. The grace of God has worked for you to be forgiven, for you to be blameless in the sight of God, and for your sin to be removed from you. However, that's what the grace has done for you. But there's now something that grace has done in you. There's something you have received. We must understand that there's something we have received. There's something we have received because of God's grace. What have we received? Jesus put it in a very, very simple way. He was talking to a man named Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And in John 3, he first explains what this grace is able to do, then explains how this grace comes about. Nicodemus is talking to him. I want you to see this. Let's, let's follow the conversation. I want us to see how God's grace works here. And Nicodemus in verse 2 uh, tells him, We know you are the teacher sent from God, for no one can do these signs you do unless God is with him. Uh-huh. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You know what he's saying here? Jesus is saying, unless you become the good tree, He's not talking about unless the bad fruits are cut off. No. Jesus' interest was in making a new tree. Is somebody getting me? His his interest was literally a new tree. That's what his interest was. That's why he says unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And look at this. He goes on to tell us how, uh, you know, Nicodemus is like, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter into the womb a second time? And Jesus said, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Uh-huh. And then he, he shows you, remember what we read about the bad tree producing bad fruit and the good tree producing good fruit? Here it is in John 3, 6. It says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. I mean, what he's trying to say is, look, the problem is not even the fruit. The problem is the tree that's producing the fruit. So my duty is to make you a new tree. That way the new tree can produce fruit. And that's how come we're now being told but the fruit of the spirit. Which spirit? It's a new tree. Isn't that why we're told I'm the vine, you're the branches? No one can bear fruit. Who bears fruit? We'll get to that. <laughs> Praise God. And says that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. I'm sure at this point Nicodemus is confused and Jesus decides to even be more mysterious. He goes on to say, do not marvel that I said you must be born again. And you know, Jesus just starts giving mysterious lines. The wind blows where it wishes. <laughs> and you can hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it's going. 
So it is of everyone who's born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said, how can these things be? Let's go on. And Jesus answered him a penalty and said, are you the teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? <laughs> and John is like, what are you teaching? And he says, we speak what we know and testify what we've seen and you do not receive our witness. And he went on to say, I've told you earthly things and you do not believe. Jesus was trying to find earthly ways to explain it because it's so unimaginable. So he says, I've told you earthly things and you don't believe. Will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the son of man who is in heaven. Uh And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the son of man must be lifted up. Wait there. Go back. Moses lifted up the son of man in the wilderness. The son of man must be lifted up. What's that showing you? That's showing you now the suffering that the son of man is going to have. And what's the suffering going to do? It's going to atone for the sins of men. But it doesn't end there. Otherwise, that would have been the gospel. It didn't end there. It went on to say something else. That whoever believes in him should not perish. But what? Have eternal life. There's something he wanted them to receive. And then in verse 16, he explains the key. This is the key. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him, I've got a studio audience, please, if I read it wrongly, just correct me. It says that whosoever believes in him will be forgiven. Yeah, yeah, too low. That whosoever believes in him, his debt will be cancelled. That whosoever believes in him will be a sinner saved by grace. It says, but whosoever believes in him shall not perish. It doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. They shall not perish is what the grace has done for them. But then there's something that grace has done in them. There's something grace has given them. What does grace give them? But have eternal life. So grace gives them something. Now, notice, what, notice something about life. Life is able to reproduce. So how is the new creation formed? It's formed by eternal life. It's formed by... It, it's, life can produce. It produces something. Life produces. That's why you notice every living being reproduces. And it reproduces another living being with the same characteristics as itself. So here is Jesus, and he says, oh, it doesn't end on you just not perishing. I'm better than those lambs that could just, that could just atone for your sin. For me, I do something in you. I give you something, and that which I give you is called eternal life. And many people think eternal life is going to heaven. That's not what the Bible says. Otherwise, it would have said, whosoever believes in him shall not go to hell, but go to heaven. No, that's not what it says. It says, shall not perish, but have eternal life. The Greek word there is Zoe. And you know what Zoe means? If you look at it in the Greek, it's just talking about life over and 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 over. So they just have to write everlasting life. It's life over and over and over and over and over. And who can explain what life really is? Because I can tell you something. Science has reached a place where I mean, they can perform a heart transplant. They can, they can make a body work. But there's something that happens when the spirit of a man lives. There's something that happens. 
when life leaves. And Jesus says, whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And today this is what we're focusing on. Today we're focusing on how grace has given us eternal life. Grace has given us eternal life. So this ability that's at work in us, what has happened? We've been given eternal life. So Jesus made a promise that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said something else in John 10.10. 10. Notice, Jesus said, the thief comes not but to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. And what does the Bible tell us? Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, right? So, his assignment was to give us life. It was to give us eternal life. Somebody may be asking, Apostle, I believe you, but when does this eternal life come? Because for so long, people have thought eternal life only starts working when you go to heaven. That's why you find people get saved at funerals because they're told if you die today, and then after two days they realize they've not died, when they gave their life to Christ, they got him back. <laughs> because for them, let me tell you the problem with the if you die today messages, the only problem I have with them is that if handled wrongly, they can make someone think salvation is only, eternal life is only relevant after you die. That's the problem. So now let's go on. I want us to keep looking at this because grace has done something in us. Grace has given us something. And somebody may be watching and saying, but pastor, I'm struggling with, uh, I've been saved, I've been saved probably for some time, but I'm struggling with, with my lifestyle. I'm struggling with my emotions. I'm struggling with, with my heart. I'm struggling with my health. I'm struggling with my finances. I'm struggling with all those. That's why I'm here. That's why I brought you this message. The Bible says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So this same message, it's the power of God unto deliverance. It's the power of God unto health. It's the power of God unto healing. It's the power of God unto sanctification. It's the power of God unto holiness. That's why I've brought you this message. Praise God. I want us to see what the Bible tells us. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45. It's something you must understand. Jesus didn't just come to do something for us. He came to give us something. And, one, and what he gave us is this thing called eternal life. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45. My God, everyone needs to hear this message. I think I'm going to send this message to a thousand people. Everyone needs to hear this. As it is written... The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. He didn't just come to do something for us. He came to give us something. What did he come to give us? Life. What life? Eternal life. Zoe, God's life. The very life of God. That's what he came to give us.
God's ability at work in us, God's grace, his divine endowment. Now, like I said, somebody may have the question of when does this eternal life come? I want us to look at three scriptures. First John chapter 3, verse 14. The Bible says, remember, what does it say in John 3, 16? God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have this eternal life. Now the question is when? The Bible answers it. 1 John 3, 14. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. John is describing the attribute of love. And then he actually, he's telling the people saying, we know we have passed from death to life. It's like, he's not saying, He's not saying we know that one day we'll pass from death to life. No, he says we know we have passed from death to life. If you look at the Greek word there used for past, it's metabino. That's literally a transferring from one place to another. Then that reminds you of uh, the book of Colossians, where it, where it tells us that we have been delivered from the dominion of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of his very son. It literally means being transferred from one place to another. So what, what the scripture is saying us there is that we've literally been transferred from death to life. We've been transferred. And he says, we know, we know. He's not saying we will know. He says, we know we have passed from it. Let me show you another one. <laughs> Can I show you what Jesus said? John 5 verse 24. Notice. Jesus says, are you enjoying this? We're doing, and we're literally now exposing uh, John 3.16. Not so. An exposition of John 3.16. Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who has sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. There are some people who are so worried about Judgment Day. Judgment Day for us, when we're talking about it, can I show you something about judgment, about the rapture? First Thessalonians 4. I want you to see this, verse 13. I, I just want you to see something. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Firstly, the people who are sorrowing are those who have no hope. Let's go on. For we believe that if Jesus, that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Uh-huh. For this we say to you by the word of God, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Uh-huh. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Yes. Then we who remain who are alive and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Be caught up in the clouds <laughs> to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Now, this is the, the key part I want you to see. Uh, therefore, comfort one another with these words. I want you to see, that's the key I wanted you to see. Can you imagine for us when we're talking about the last days, when we're talking about judgment, when we're talking about the Lord Jesus coming, we say that to each other for comfort. It's such a comforting message for us. Why? John 5 verse 24. Jesus told us that he who I 
hears my words and believes them in, in him who sent me has eternal life. Grace gives him eternal life. I commend you to God and the word of his grace. That very word of his grace, what does it do? It gives you eternal life. And you don't come into judgment because you've passed from death to life. So eternal life begins now. That's when eternal life begins. Praise God. And I want to show you another verse. First uh, John chapter 5 and verse 11. First John chapter 5 and verse 11. John is talking and he says, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in, this, is, is in his son. Come on, let's go on. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. That shows you that this is not the life that's passed from flesh to flesh which Solomon defined as vanity. No, it's not that one. The life we have received is not vanity. This is not that one. This is life which comes from God. This is the life. This is the essence of God. This is the DNA of God. And he who does not have the Son of God doesn't have it. What's my point today? My point is, if you're going to grow in your Christian faith, you need to come to a place where you're not just thinking about what grace has done for you. You must begin to realize what grace has done in you. And the first thing we're looking at is that grace has given you eternal life. Grace has given you eternal life. What's this eternal life we're talking about? The very essence of God. The very life of God. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. That's why you've been birthed. And that's why the real you is spirit. Because the one who's birthed you is a spirit. That's why you can now worship God in truth and in spirit. Because your father is a spirit. It's that life that makes you a new creation. Because life is able to produce after its kind. That's why Peter could say, such as I have, I give. Because there was something he received. Ladies and gentlemen, when you are saved, you are no longer that bad tree. You are now the good tree that produces good fruit. Because the life of God, the very DNA of God, it says children not born of flesh and blood, but born of God. If a person only knows what God's grace has done for them, they will celebrate that they've been forgiven. However, if they know what God's grace has done in them, they'll realize they now have dominion over sin. If a person only knows what God's grace has done for them, they'll celebrate that they were healed. However, if they know what God's grace has done in them, they'll know that they now have divine health. And not only that, they've got the ability to transfer this very essence, this very life, into another being and heal them. Ladies and gentlemen, over the next few weeks, we'll be looking at what God's grace has done in us. Remember, Christianity doesn't, doesn't end on if any man is in Christ. It begins there. It doesn't end on if any man be in Christ. The Bible goes on to say, Christ in me. The mystery which has been hidden all the ages is Christ in me, the hope of glory. 
That's the mystery which has been hidden. And you can imagine how amazing it is to be in Christ. The amount of teachings we can teach just on that. Now, if that is glorious, how much more realizing that as a new creation, you're actually the temple of God. Christ is in you. And he is that hope of glory. Ladies and gentlemen, it is what God's grace has done for us. But we're now looking at grace as a divine endowment. And this grace has given you eternal life. Say, I have eternal life. I have the life of God in me. In every fiber of my being. This life revitalizes my mortal body. This life renews my mind. This life gives me God's ability to function and work like him on this earth. I decided that I would give you, based on my usual style, a relatively short message today because I wanted to leave us meditating on this eternal life. And really the question I have for you is, what are you doing with this life God has given you? First, have you acknowledged it? Do you realize you actually have eternal life? You're not just set on course for heaven. You have eternal life. You have the very DNA of God. Children not born of flesh and blood, but born of God. Being born again, not of incorruptible seed. Not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. And the word therefore seed is sperma. Literally, the very thing that reproduces, the very thing that gives life, that's what we've been born of. And if you're listening to this and you're not born again, you've not given your life to Jesus, then according to the scriptures, you don't have life. And I want to help you with that. I want you to raise your hands and say after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross to set me free. Jesus, I give you my life. Make me born again. And I receive your life in me. Amen. If you've just said that prayer, I want you to contact us. Because we want to mentor you. We want to disciple you. We want to train you on how best you can live this life. Praise God. I want you to continue following our services religiously. By that I mean, when, when I say religiously, I mean with total discipline, like your life depends on it. Because over the next few weeks, we are going to look at what God's grace has really done in us. Some of us might, be, might discover we only knew 1% of it. You have eternal life. That whosoever believes shall not perish, but have. Whosoever believes shall not perish, but have. But have. And this is the part that brings great controversy. Because had Jesus only died, the Pharisees would have been satisfied. Confusion came when he resurrected. And he resurrected so we can have the newness of life. That's Romans 6, 4. So follow these services religiously. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Why don't you lift your hands where you are? And let me just pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the life you've given me. Thank you for this eternal life. Thank you. Thank you. Take a moment and just speak and say, Father, I acknowledge this life in me. Take a moment and just pray. I sense that the Lord is releasing on those who are watching, on those who are listening. The Lord is releasing a psalmist grace. He's releasing grace. God is going to begin to inspire you to write songs about this life that you've received. Some of you, what you'll be writing will be prophecies about your own life. Some of you, what you'll be writing are things that you'll get to begin to experience. There are some people who their bodies may not even yet be very well, but God will lead them to write about health. And as they write it, they'll be prophesying their life and those things will be materializing to them. I sense the Lord releasing that psalmist grace, that grace to write songs, that grace to write poetry, that grace to write scripts, that grace to write books about this life that God has given. There's somebody who's receiving that grace right now. There will be melodies about this life. There, there, the writings are too few on this life. Many of them are on the previous life, the broken one. And some of them have gone on to talk about what the grace has done for us. But I sense the Lord causing this outpouring for there to be this increased grace. People will write about what God has done in us. That's what I sense him doing. Receive that grace in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, lift your hands. Thank you, Jesus. At this point, we're going to give our offerings. For those who are at the city of the Lord Church, once the offering is given, post in our platform saying, I have given my offering. Otherwise, uh, Deaconess Grace is going to going to read to you how we can give. Praise God. Ooh, what an amazing service. What an amazing word. Let's just give God the glory for such an electric atmosphere, such a powerful sermon. Let's also give Apostle, you know, where you are, give a shout of praise. Say, Apostle, thank you. Write in the comments and say, thank you for that message. It was mine. I know I surely am blessed. Um, it's giving time now. Um, so if you are giving via Airtel money, we have various means to give. So if you're giving via Airtel money, you're giving to Jangulu Lembo. And her number is 0977 
So I'll say it again, 0977-479703. And via MTN Money, you are giving to Sui Lange Siniza on 096-358-2454. That's Sui Lange Siniza on 0963-58. 2454. On Zamtel Zampe, you are giving to the City of the Lord Church on 0953 FNB, if you want to give via e wallet or pay to sell, you are giving to 0977 Via Zabit, you are giving to 0963 and we also have an account with Atlas Samara. That's the East Park branch. Our account number is 32558204 I'll say that again. 32558204 Let's get giving. Praise God. Praise God. Let's keep giving our offerings. Let's give our offerings. Now I'm going to speak a blessing over you. In the name of Jesus, you're blessed. In the name of Jesus, all is well with your body, all is well with your mind, all is well with your health. You are preserved from the evil one. We join together and speak a blessing over Zambia. We declare that Zambia is covered by the blood of Jesus. We command things to come back to normal in the name of Jesus. We command life to come back to normal around the world in the name of Jesus. This blessing works for you. It works for your life. It works for your family. God bless you all. Feel free to contact us for anything. And remember, I love you all. And I can't wait to see you again. God bless you. service. I have been so blessed and I know you have been too. Now, wherever you're listening from, we would like to hear from you. Get in touch with us. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0953756076 or 0977474679. If you're unable to call, you can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Until next time, keep confessing the word of God over your life. Stay blessed.